In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, is the Feast of the Cross. Um, it's the fourth Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, in which we typically read the Gospel of the Samaritan Woman. But because today is a feast day, um, we read all of the readings associated with the feast. The Feast of the Cross is a feast that we celebrate in the Church twice a year. The first one is on the 17th of Tut, which falls around uh, September, in the end of September. Uh, and the second is today, the 10th of Baramhat. Um, on this uh, feast, we celebrate when, as we hear for the Synexarium, you heard the story of when uh, Empress Hel uh, Helena, when she found uh, the Holy Wood of the Cross. This is uh, the feast that we celebrate uh, today. Um, and the cross has been a source of pride and exaltation from the beginning of Christianity. If you remember, the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples and to us as believers about this cross, and he said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, mind you, when we hear these words, there's a context in which we understand them. But when his disciples heard this, and the people at the time when they heard this, the cross was a, a symbol of shame. Because this is how, like, the worst kind of capital punishment that the Romans would do. It's very humiliating. It was public. Uh, it was the worst way in which somebody can be, you know, a criminal can be executed. So, but this was their idea of what the cross was. And they had this tradition uh, similar to what the Lord Jesus did and that they, if they wanted to inflict more torture, they'd have the one who's going to be crucified carry his own cross. So this, you know, it was like a walk of shame from wherever the judgment was to the place they were to be crucified, there was this walk of shame in which they would carry some, uh, the cross on their shoulder, and it was very heavy, and it was a difficult journey. So when the Lord says this, this is what he's referring to, of this journey of life will have some difficulty if you want to be the disciple of the Lord Jesus. Um, so we'll speak briefly about the way of the cross, um, uh, and, la and we'll end by speaking about what are some of the transformations that we can expect um, as we journey down this way of the cross? The first point of the way of the cross is that it's a difficult way. It's difficult. The Lord says in Matthew uh, 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. This idea of denying oneself is a difficult, th a difficult thing, this self-denial. Especially nowadays where everything seems to be, do what makes you feel good. And now you're going to come and preach a message saying that we should deny ourselves. This is a difficult message for many. Um, but this is what the Lord is saying. Why is it the idea of denying oneself? The whole issue of man since the beginning, since the fall, was I want to be my own God. I want to lead myself. Was this not how Satan tempted, or, uh, Satan tempted Eve? He says, you know, if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. So what is he tempting her with? If you're going to be like God, then you don't need to go back to God. You can be your own God. This was the temptation that plagued Eve and humanity from the very beginning and still plagues us uh, today. This is why we need this self-denial, being able to deny oneself. The, the second way that makes it a difficult way is the idea of suffering. The idea of suffering. And there are many things as a Christian we should expect to suffer. If the Lord Christ himself suffered, for preaching the truth, then when we say the truth, expect that people won't like it. You know, it seems like nowadays on social media, and every, if anybody proclaims the truth, they're either canceled, ridiculed, mocked, or you know, even worse, right? So speaking the truth, again, 
is not a popular thing nowadays. Um, also suffering for what is good, doing the right thing, even when the people around you aren't doing the right thing. It's hard to do. If everybody in the class or everybody in your work is cheating in some way, you're, you're tempted. Should I just do them and join them? Everybody else is doing this. No, but the difficult way, the way of the cross, is to go against what everybody else is doing because it's the right thing to do. It's what Christ commanded us to do. Um, suffering for what is holy. Again, it's very easy, and this is again one of the plots of Satan. He wants to make the holy things unholy or common, make them just normal. A very common phrase that people say, they mention the God's name in vain. You know, when they're surprised, when they're excited, they just say God's name in vain. Why is this a sin in the Bible? It's because if, I, if, we can, if Satan can get us to say God's name frequently for any reason, then it desacralizes his name. It's no longer holy. It's no longer revered. And anything that's no longer revered just becomes common like anything else. So to be a person of the way of the cross, it takes... Um, uh, it's a difficult way. It takes self-denial and it takes being willing to accept some suffering, whether it's for the truth, for good, or for what is holy. Also, it's difficult because it's concerning the things that aren't seen. It's very easy, you know, we ask maybe any of the students, why is it that you spend four years of your life or more going to college, studying, staying up late, and doing all these things? They say, well, I want a career. And why do you want a career? Well, so I can make a good living. And the things we purchase by our good living are things that are seen, right? So it's maybe easily motivated. We see the people around us who are having a good life, so we want to do the same, so it motivates us. But what about working for something that's unseen, for a treasure that's in heaven? It's more difficult, right? Look what the Lord said. He says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So he wants to get, bring our attention to the things that are eternal. What will I give in exchange for my soul? Many people will give their soul for earthly things and for money. If you look at all of the corruption in the media nowadays, what is driving this? Is it not money? Is it not the love of money? Is it not greed? It is, right? And many people know that it's wrong, but they do it anyway. I heard a debate once between a, um, an atheist and a Christian. I think it was between John Lennox and Richard Sherman. At the end, there was a judge who was moderating, and he asked, I'm going to ask you both one question, and I want you to answer honestly. So he went to the Christian, he asked him, uh, what could I do to convince you that the position of the atheist is correct? And he says, prove to me without a doubt that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is, didn't happen or was false. Makes sense, because this is what we base our belief on, that Christ is God. And he went to the atheist and he told them, what is it that I can, you know, a uh, way I can convince you that your atheism is wrong and Christianity or theism is right? He thought for a moment and jokingly he said, and uh, deposit $3 million in a Swiss bank account for me. Right? It's easy. It's easy. The same thing happened with the story with the rich young ruler. When he came to the Lord Jesus and he met with him, he asked him what is it that he can do to inherit eternal life. And he told him the commandments and he said, I've been doing this since my youth. And he says, one thing you lack, go sell what you have, take the cross and follow me. And the, the rich young ruler turned away and went away sorrowful. Because he said, you know, pursuing the things that are seen are far easier than pursuing the things that are not seen. 
But the, as the Lord teaches us here, is the things that are not seen are the things that are eternal. They last far greater. The whole Christian life is this life uh, is a journey of the cross, and it's difficult. The Lord also says not only is it difficult, but it's also it's a narrow. Remember this passage in Matthew 7, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So the way of the Christian, the way of the cross, is the narrow gate, the difficult way. Um, if you can think about, like, uh, I think in Houston we have, you know, we can very easily relate to this, going through the toll booth. Till, till, till this day, I don't quite understand how I see, like, as we're going through, like, the, the Beltway in uh, 99, people have, like, Texas license plate, and they're still paying, you know, like, cash. <laughs> the, they have the easy tag, it's far, it's far greater, and have toll roads all over Houston. So I don't quite understand this. Maybe they like standing in line. Uh, the same thing happens in New Jersey. When I was visiting New Jersey, the same thing. You have New Jersey license plate, and they're still paying cash at each toll plaza. Um, but this is the hard way, right? This is the hard way. It's the narrow gate. If you think about the, the toll road, this is the rate limiting step of the whole highway. If something happened, you know, if ever been stuck behind a car who couldn't find change or something, and you're stuck and they, they're not paying the toll, there's a big long line, this would, this would be the rate limiting step of the whole highway. The rest of the highway can be clear, but because this guy is blocking the toll booth, it makes it difficult. This is the narrow way. And, then, and you'll find in the narrow way, it's, uh, it takes more effort to go through you know, it's not uh, wide open. Um, it needs more patience, and it needs more persistence. So the way of the Christian, or the way of the cross, needs these three. It takes more effort. It's easy for us to do the wrong thing and the things that please the body. It's very easy. But it's more difficult, for example, to fast than not to fast, right? Um, it takes more patience, right? Uh, again, having things done my way all the time is great. But when things aren't done my way, it takes patience. I need to be able to heed to another and be patient with the weaknesses of the people around us. Uh, it takes more persistence. It's not something that comes very easy. It's something that grows over time. So in essence, the way of the cross is, uh, is a difficult, narrow way. And because of such, it's unpopular. It's unpopular. So what are some of the um, transformations we can expect? Yes, we, we establish that the way of the cross is difficult. And it's narrow. But what can we expect to gain when we go through this way? Because this is the key. The first one is we have a transformation from defeat to victory. And uh, in a few weeks, we'll celebrate the Passion Week. And on the sixth hour of Great Friday, we sing a hymn uh, in Coptic. It's Monogenes. In English, it's uh, holy, uh, holy Mighty, by whom weakness showed forth what is greater than power. So we're saying, at, as we you know, celebrate the cross, that who seems to be the person who is weak is actually reigning in power. And there's a really long hymn that we say on Good Friday called Bekathronos, or Your Throne, O God, is Forever and Ever. And it seems you know, out of place. We're speaking, we're chanting about the throne of God, but yet we're looking at Christ hung on a cross. Because this is his throne by which he defeats death and the power of death. So, and he gave us this victory. Look what St. Paul says in Corinthians. He says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, this mortal body, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, 
Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? So it's through the cross that we are granted freedom, that we are granted victory over sin and the things that plague us. Um, oftentimes we don't, when we look at like the sins we commit, we don't think that like, um, we don't consider uh, that these sins produce death. But there's every sin produces death but some just are slower than others. And every sin is addictive in nature. There's certain pleasure that's tied to it that wants, Satan wants us to be tied to this thing, some earthly thing, over being tied you know, to the Lord. Um, so when Christ came, he came to free us from these bonds that tie us to the earthly things and to allow us to ascend in the heights in, uh, in the holies and to live a righteous and holy life. So... When we walk in the way of the cross, we have this transformation from defeat to victory. We also have a transformation from fear to courage. And this is very clearly seen in the life of the disciples themselves. If you remember, the day after the resurrection, or the day of, or after the crucifixion, or the night of, the disciples were terrified. Why? Because they said if they can crucify our Master and our Lord, who did miracles, fed them in the wilderness, and all these wonderful things, then they can do the same to us. So they went in their upper room and they locked the door and they sealed the door because they were so scared. And then once they witnessed the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday, they began to go back and to preach to the same people who wanted to kill them with boldness. Peter, the one who denied that he even knew the Lord, uh, after the day of Pentecost, he preached and 3,000 souls were, uh, became Christian in that one day. What happened here? The cross gave him and the resurrection gave him uh, courage. He was no longer scared. This is why the Christian, the true Christians that live in this world, don't fear if the market crashes. They don't fear of the uh, uh, nuclear threat and all of this stuff. It doesn't, bo it doesn't bother them. Why? Because our, uh, this is temporary. We're here as there's so journeys, in, so journeys in this place. Our end is in heaven. So it allows us to live with this um, courage without fear of what is to come. Also, we have a transformation from shame to honor, from shame to honor. As I mentioned, the cross was a way of shame. But now, we wear the cross and we hang the cross as a sign of honor and praise. And this is the one whom our Master died on this cross, and through this cross, He gave us His victory. And this is something we boast in. And even in, uh, in our old tradition in Egypt, some people would put a small tattoo of the cross on their hand. Do you know why this was? It wasn't. Now, tattooing was not cool, uh, neither then nor now, but some people think so. But they would tattoo the cross here. Why? Because they wanted to proclaim their Christianity and ready to be suffering for the name of Christ. And some, I'm not even, we'll put it here. Some people, even some men, will put it here. Why? So when they shake somebody's hand, as they're saying hello, this is witnessing, I'm a Christian. And whatever thing happens to it. Because in the early church, the idea of being a Christian. If I wanted to be a Christian, I had to be willing to die for the name of Christ. And this is why the greatest sin in the early church wasn't adultery, wasn't murder, it was, it was apostasy, denying the faith. And this is one of the sins that actually, if you remember in the gospel and the letter of John where we say confess your sins you know, to one another, this is one of the sins that would be publicly confessed. If somebody denied the faith because he was scared for any reason, he would stand in front of the church and he would confess this before everyone. Because this was the biggest deal, right? It changed from shame to honor. The way of the cross changed from shame to honor. Look what St. Paul says in Hebrew. 
He says, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured uh, the cross, despising shame. Speaking about the Lord. He endured the cross, despising shame. He took the shame. His, he, made, he took shame and gave us glory and honor. And also St. Paul says what? Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. He takes pleasure. This was his boasting. St. Paul's boasting was his suffering for the name of Christ. Again, this sounds so foreign and so bizarre in this day and age. But this is what the true Christian life is about. This is what it's about. Even now, many don't understand how Christians boast in this sign of the cross. They look and some people will mock it and wear it just as a fashion, regardless of you know what it really means and what it stands for. This is a shame and perhaps um, this is because maybe some of us wore it in a way that was uh, didn't witness to the name of Christ. St. Paul also says to the Corinthians, For I determined not to know, and know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's what he wanted to know about the people. There is a beautiful prayer that is said in the Divine Liturgy of St. Gregory. Uh, it's in actually the... Um, uh, in the... Uh, no, sorry, this is one of the fractions that, of St. Greg <coughs> Gregory of Nazianzus. It's beautiful. He says what? Grant me, O my Savior, to consider your suffering my treasure, the crown of thorns my glory, your sorrow my joy, your bitterness my sweetness, your blood my life, your love my pride, and my thanksgiving. So we look what the Lord took on our behalf. He took suffering. He took the crown of thorns. He took sorrow. He took bitterness. And he, took, he shed his blood for me. And what does he want to give us in exchange for this? He wants to give us his treasure, his glory, his joy, his sweetness, and his life. He gave us everything, and he took everything on himself. And lastly, he changes us from death to life. When we walk on the cross, we are transformed from death to life. As St. Paul says to the Romans, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's a transformation. Real quickly, just to tie the great fast in, if we were to read the story of the Samaritan woman, you know, she entered into the cross, but in a difficult way. She lived an ungodly life, perhaps the way of death. And when she went to meet the Lord, there was a moment when they were speaking together and then the Lord put her in an awkward position and a compromising position. And he said, she wants to give her the living water, but before she can take the living water, he said, go call your husband. And it was a very embarrassing moment for her. And she could have lied about it. She could have told something else about it. She could have defended herself. She could have blamed the other men that she was with. But she simply said, the one whom I have is not my husband. And he said, you're right. So he drew, he drew out of her this, like, uh, this difficulty, this repentance. Because this is the way of the cross. But we see immediately what happens of this transformation. She went from being somebody who had five and six husbands or men to somebody now who's going back to Samaria to preach these people, to tell them about the man who told her all that she ever did. There's this transformation. Everyone who meets the Lord will be transformed. This is the way of cross. The way is difficult, but the beauty afterwards and the transformation afterwards is far more glorious. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.